Welcome to Econoday Unplugged. Today is Tuesday, June 13th. I am Ann Picker, Econoday's Chief Economist, and with me today are Jeremy Hawkins in London and Mark Pender in the Poconos. This week, we have a trifta of central bank meetings. Wednesday brings the Fed, Thursday the ECB, and Friday the Bank of Japan. Jeremy, a very busy week in Europe and in the UK. It is, and I suppose we've got to say that the two big focal points as far as European investors are concerned, as you mentioned, the ECB meeting on Thursday, and we got some important Brexit bits and pieces trying to go through Parliament as well as I speak. Kick off with the ECB. Um, well, interest rates aren't going to be in focus this week, but the quantitative easing asset purchase program certainly is. Why expect anything? Well, we'll get updated economic forecasts, which may provide some fundamental justification for a change in policy. Although I must say, given recent data, I, I doubt that. But more importantly, of course, they're, they're simply running out of time now before the current program reaches its soft end date in September. Why I don't expect much? Well, the core inflation is still only 1.1% and second quarter growth is looking decidedly sluggish. Um, on top of that, of course, now we've got this political instability in Italy and to a lesser extent Spain. And that's made the uh, peripheral eurozone markets all the more vulnerable to any kind of reduction in ECB support. So the options then, um, well, they can do nothing, just maintain the current pace of net asset purchases of 30 billion euros a month through at least September, and perhaps signal an update to what they intend to do at the July meeting. They could announce a tapering beginning in October, but offer no explicit end date for the programme. Or if you like, go the whole hog and announce a definitive date for the ending of quantitative easing purchases altogether, possibly December, with or without a tapering period in the interim. Um, how are the markets going to react to any of those? Well, I think from some of the uh, the price action we saw last week, um, particularly on Wednesday, when we had almost a, a mini US-style taper tantrum taking place, when we had some comments from the ECB just really talking about the possibility of tapering, um, at the announcement of tapering at this week's meeting. Um, from reaction there, it suggests the event perhaps markets aren't quite ready yet for some form of tapering at this stage anyway. So in other words, and if we see no change in policy that should be taken quite well so the euro will probably trade lower on it but bonds should trade higher and spreads between bonds and the peripheries narrow if we see option two so we get a tapering no end date well that's not that's um, not great for bonds, but it's OK for the euro. We'll probably see spreads widen. The really interesting one would be if they come out and announce a definitive end date, particularly if it is, let's say, December. Then that, of course, would open the door potentially to higher interest rates because they've announced no change in interest rates until well after the end of the quantitative easing program. So if they effectively come out and signal its conclusion at the end of this year, for example, that will be seen as opening the door to perhaps ECB outright tightening in terms of interest interest rates at some point in 2019. That should certainly help the euro. It will certainly hit the bond market and potentially uh, the equity market as well. And we could well see some of these smaller eurozone bond markets, the likes of Italy, Portugal and Spain, perhaps being hit quite hard. So there's going to be a lot to look out for um, in Thursday's ECB meeting. And one thing I should quickly mention with regards to that is to keep an eye on what they do with forward guidance, because how they sell any kind of move is going to be particularly important. Important. 
With regards to the UK, just ignoring the numbers, it's a couple of big days for Brexit. Essentially, we've got the government trying to reserve, reverse some 15 amendments to its EU withdrawal bill, Brexit bill to the rest of us, um, in Parliament over the next couple of days. And they're struggling to find enough votes to do it. That said, and we still got both major parties really split over Brexit, so the outcome's unclear. The government's already lost its justice minister this morning, who resigned over the whole issue. Um, and although it's supposed to be just a one-day vote, it's had to be extended into two days. Um, on paper, at least, if the government were to lose this, it could actually lead to the government falling. I think that's pretty unlikely from what we seem to be hearing at the moment. But certainly it's something which investors have got to be alert to. Um, even if they get through um, today's votes and tomorrow's votes, there's still more issues further down the road. But this could be a potentially sizable stumbling block. So lots to look out for over here. Uh, Jeremy, smart. Yep. Oh, uh, it's um, why, if uh, the economy is slowing, are we getting uh, this withdrawal of support or expectations a, for it? A very good question. Um, I think it's getting to the stage now that this program has been running for so long um, that A, they're starting simply to run out of assets they can actually buy because it's going to the stage where they're owning so much of these um, Eurozone bond markets that they're going to start finding fresh assets to actually purchase. Um, also, there's a number of members on the ECB Council, notably the, the Germans and the Austrians, who really take the view that, look, we've been pumping in so much money for so long now, it's simply a matter of time before inflation goes up and potentially gets out gets out of control. Now, suppose the thing in their favour is to say that although the economy has certainly slowed, it slowed from what was by eurozone standards, you know, pretty high rates of growth. So I think, you know, by and large, perhaps you could say almost a neutral view now would be to get towards the tapering side, whereby it's not the case they're pulling out QE. It's not we're getting into the Fed type stage whereby, you know, they're withdrawing the assets or the money, I should say, they've actually put into the economy. All they would do would be no longer putting any fresh money in. So it'd just be a move towards stability. And it's something yeah. which is going to have to happen sooner, sooner rather than later, I think. And how much have they actually bought? Oh, they bought trillions. We're up around about what, two trillion or so now. So we're talking about you know, a sizable amount of money they've injected. Thank you, Jeremy. Mark, Fed watchers will be closely reading the tea leaves, also known as the dot plot this t on Wednesday. <laughs> That's right. We're getting a quarterly um, FOMC uh, forecasts. Uh, and uh, any change in the unemployment rate and GDP and the number of rate hikes that they see uh, could make uh, significant, uh, actually would be probably uh, the market moving news since a um, 25 basis point uh, rate hike is uh, universally expected. Our back dropping in sharp contrast to uh, Europe is of, um, of strengthening um, uh, economic data for the most part. I think the, the one that's the critical the you can't overlook it is the um, withdrawal or the decline or the um, uh, reduction of the available workforce. Uh, we're, uh, we're getting all sorts of uh, uh, confirmation of an unusual degree of uh, labor force uh, 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 participation in in the economy, uh, drawing down uh, uh, who's who, uh, who who's available for work, and even though it hasn't uh, yet 
started any kind of wage inflation of any significance or uh, any acceleration. Certainly, the risk is there, and there's really no and there's really no uh, other place to find uh, new workers, and and the lack of new workers uh, really does. Um, pose a risk to business, regardless of uh, inflation, it poses a risk to business expansion. Businesses won't be able to find the people they need to get the work uh, that they need to have done. We're also having the uh, a Jerome Powell second uh, press conference, uh, and uh, that would certainly be of interest to see if, uh, uh, if, if he starts uh, developing a personality that we can uh, de- you know, define uh, a, a thumbprint uh, of a Federal Reserve uh, chairman that uh, uh, we can uh, establish. Uh, and so uh, it looks to be a very busy week. And this morning, this is um, uh, uh, June 12th, we're, uh, uh, the summit between the U.S. and North Korea is uh, winding down. It uh, looks to be have been some um, concessions on, on both parts, both parties, a denuclearization. Uh, of the peninsula, uh, st- the uh, markets here look to be pretty calm. Uh, uh, a little backing up in interest rates, which shows that there's a, a U.S. interest rates, which shows that there's a less demand for safety right now, which is which is good news. Uh, we're getting also the consumer price index uh, this morning. Now that's always a wild card. I mean, it could be that we're going to find uh, some pressure. A little bit of uh, may uh, may occur uh, in the uh, in the CPI core. Uh, expectations are for a, a, a moderate uh, report, but th- that a surprise there would underscore the Federal Reserve's uh, efforts now to really um, to bring up those interest rates uh, and uh, uh, establish a uh, conventional. Um, uh, uh, with withdrawal of uh, support, uh, given the the expansion here is quite is quite long, quite old. Mark, the Fed doesn't use the CPI as their inflation target no. measure, however, and doesn't the PCE run a little lower than the CPI traditionally? It does. It's but it's the direction of. Uh, that were to, that is uh, of importance here. Um, the different methodologies give uh, the PCE, uh, which is updated more frequently in its uh, adjustments and, and its basket of uh, goods and services that it tracks. Uh, it uh, gives it about a half a point, several percentage point. Uh, uh, percentage points uh, above the CPI, but um, like right now, the CPI is over. The core right now is at 2.1%, um, as opposed to the PCE, which I, was, which I think is 1.9%. But the CPI, of course, runs one month ahead, or um, when the CPI comes out, it's, it's, it, it's going to be about May. The last PCE we have is, uh, is on April. So if there is a little bit of a pressure here, we'll, that will signal a, a direct uh, will directly signal an increase in the PCE, and um, and again, it's the direction that we're looking at. The inflation uh, has been flat, the marginally, incrementally pointing up, but uh, not to any degree. Now, if that slope, if it's a CPI or any of the in, uh, inflation indicators, even the PPI, which we get later, or even import prices, which we get later this week, if they all of a sudden start turning up. Then that would be a, a signal later uh, that the PCE in turn would uh, also probably go up. Thanks, Mark. 
The last of the trifecta is the Bank of Japan, which is expected to leave its policy interest rate unchanged at minus 0.1%. Bank of Japan Governor Kuroda continues to signal a newfound acceptance that deflation is a tougher adversary than he thought. And in talking about unemployment and scarcity of workers, Japan has actually begun to allow um, an inflow of workers because their unemployment rate is now 3.2%. The bank is expected, BOJ is expected to debate whether structural factors are behind the recent disappointingly slow inflation. This could force them to cut the bank's price forecast at their quarterly review in July. Consumer price, core consumer price inflation for Tokyo, a leading indicator for national trends, hit all of 0.5% in May and a sign that the economy is lacking momentum to drive up prices. Um, The softness inflation could also force the BOJ to shun any any talk of whittling down its massive stimulus program, which really dwarfs the U.S. and European programs there. Uh, Expectations are for the BOJ to keep its monetary settings unchanged and maintain its view that the economy remains on course for a moderate expansion, even though growth contracted in the first quarter. And disappointingly, uh, the first revision showed no inclination to change the negative growth. and can I ask you, if, if, if they're talking about reduce, well, potentially reducing their inflation forecasts, are we talking about yet more easing coming out of the BOJ at some point this year? I'm sorry? If, um, so you mentioned that the BOJ may have to reduce its inflation forecasts at some point. Right. Does that mean they might be forced to ease yet more before the end of the year? Well, I think they're in a position where they can't ease more simply because there is an insufficient amount of securities that they can buy. And um, they really don't want to. <laughs> so uh, they're, they're caught in a very interesting position while the ECB is finding a similar situation. It can't seem to find bonds to buy. And similarly, even though the Bank of Japan buys ETFs and the like, it's still running out of securities to buy. So they're sort of caught there. All right, guys, let's leave it at that.